0: Crime Time Tuesday. Hello, fellow true crime creeps. Welcome back. This is Tony, and Derek is here with me. Say hi, Derek. Hello. All right. Well, once again, I have another case for you. As promised, this is the case of Hibbing, Minnesota. Um, We'll jump right in.
1: Hold on. Is there any reason why you keep doing this with your voice?
0: Because that's how I talk and I like it and just let me do what I want to do since I'm the host today. You get your own show every other fucking day, so leave me alone. Thank you. Okay. Okay? You good? Yep. Got it. All right. Shut up and sit back because this is kind of an interesting one, a little longer than some of the others that I've done. Uh, as I said, this takes place in Hibbing, Minnesota, May 19th, uh, 2016. Around, um, you know, early that morning, uh, the police start getting phone calls um, of some, like, something out in this ravine. Um, uh, it's called Mountain Iron. Um, it's kind of like, I'm kind of guessing it's kind of like a little, like, kind of like a Hager City. So, like, Ellsworth would be the nearest, closest Wisconsin town to us. And I think Mountain Iron is just kind of like a location within Hibbing or, like, a little town small area outside of that but um anyway it used to be like an old mining area that is now um it's just kind of it's like a pit that's big that's filled with water um so now it's just kind of like a big recreational area so around um i don't know i'd say around you know 9 10 the, the police are getting calls Um, To this area about like a body or a something there.
1: 9 to 10 in the morning or in the night? In the morning. Okay.
0: So early in the morning, people are making calls. They see something down there, not really sure what it is. The police, you know, this is an area kind of like, you know, Hager City. This is another rural area where just bad stuff doesn't happen. So the police, their first thought is, oh, it's going to be like a deer or, you know, maybe like a big, wild, dead cat of some nature, like a mountain lion or whatever. The last thing on their mind is, you know, a person. But when they get there, to their surprise and dismay, there is a body found in this ravine. So it's kind of weird. You kind of have to, like, drive back in there a little ways. And then there's kind of a drop-off. And then the drop-off at the bottom of it is like almost like it looked like a trench kind of dug out like a dirt trench that had just been dug out um, and within that there had, there was a body um, the body had obviously been like pushed or rolled down this little bit of embankment um, into this area and it was very obvious that the body had been set on fire so there w- I mean there was Enough left of the body to tell that obviously it was human, but there was no, like, discernible features of the face. It had, not only had it been set on fire, but it also had had a lot of damage to the face. A lot of, you know, blunt force trauma of some nature to the face, because the face was unrecognizable.
1: Was the body smoking, or it just looked black from Nope, it just,
0: it just looked charred. Um, however... Um, on the episode of Murder in the Heartland, season three, episode four, if you want to check that out, um, the, the sheriff guy, the sergeant, um, he had said that even before he reached, like, the full embankment, that he could smell smoked meat. You know, Mm. again, we're country people. We smoke our meat. We do, we do that kind of stuff. So we know what that smells like. Obviously, he didn't think that it smelled like human meat it just smelt like someone had been smoking some meat um, which is already alarming you know so he's there checking it out obviously there's no real discernible facial features so they can't really tell who it is they do also find um a blade of a knife or a partial blade of a knife stuck in the chest cavity like sticking out of it so that's also very noticeable Um, the only thing that, the only thing that they could see that was like really, um, like a noticeable something that they could work off of, off, off of was a tattoo on what looked like the forearm. Um, I can't really tell you what this tattoo of, of it kind of looks like writing slash tribal, like in a square kind of. I have pictures of it, um, for anyone who wants to see it on the Instagram page, Um, but I can't really tell you what it says or what it is exactly. It doesn't look like anything recognizable to me. However, the tattoo itself was still very clear. So that part of the body had not been fully burned.
1: Was this a man or a woman?
0: Um, at, at the time, I'm not really sure they knew. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that, obviously. Um, they, uh... So, again, small towns, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everything. So, almost immediately, you know, people are calling in to, like, be nosy. They want to know what's going on, what's what's, what's going on. So, everybody, you know, I mean, we do it here, too. Anytime there's sirens going on, everybody looks at us, like, what's going on? You know, what's the neighbor doing? What Where's those sirens going? What's happening? Is there an accident? Is there, uh, you know, disorderly conduct? Is there a dispute between a husband? What, what's going on? Everybody's nosy. So, already, like, media circuits like Facebook and stuff like that, People are already talking. Like, something's going on. There's tons of police down there, crime scene tape, you name it. So, already, like, the whole town is, like, buzzing with stuff. And even later that day, there's already an article, like, put out online about um, a possible body being discovered and a murderer being on the loose. So, already, you know, really quickly, this small town is just swarming with, with rumors and with what's going on. So, I mean, that had to be really hard for the investigative team to work and whatnot. Um, Uh, One question. Sure.
1: Where is Hibbing, Minnesota in relation? Okay, so
0: Hibbing, Minnesota is about an hour, almost an hour and a half northwest of Duluth.
1: Oh, so it's way, way, way up north. It's
0: up high. Yep. So it's it's up high up north because like where we're at, we're in lower Wisconsin, like right touching Minnesota. And I would say Duluth is about four hours from us. So this would be closer to about, you know, like five and a half, six hours from us. North.
1: Okay, so this is basically almost to Canada. If you're uh, if you're not from here, this is about as close as you can get to Canada without being in Canada. I
0: would guess that it would be about maybe three to four hours, probably from the Canadian border. Would be my guess. I I don't know for sure, but that I wonder would be how a far away guess. it is
1: from International Falls. Isn't International Falls like the almost on the border?
0: Probably. I honestly don't know. I didn't look up that. I just looked its relation into Duluth because with this tattoo. The police finally, they have something to work off of, at least, until they, you know, can figure out another way to identify the body at this point. Um, So right away they send, um, like, deputies out and people out to start checking out tattoo parlors from Hibbing to Duluth. So that whole, like, hour and a half, they even send people to Duluth. So that whole stretch of from Hibbing to Duluth is all all the tattoo parlors are checked. Nobody remembers this tattoo. Um, So their guess is that, you know... This person must have gotten it done at a tattoo party, um, which I've been to a couple of those, and a couple of my tattoos are from tattoo parties. It's where people just get together. A tattoo artist will be there. A lot of times it's...
1: An up-and-coming tattoo An up-and-coming,
0: yeah, we'll put it that way. You can't be too, too picky about the outcome of your tattoo. Sometimes you get lucky and you get a great person. Sometimes, more often than not, you don't. But a bunch of people show up, get a cheap... Quick, like flash tattoo sort of thing, or something simple that you you want, whatever, um, which would make sense because this tattoo wasn't very big and it wasn't very complicated, um, so that didn't help them out at all. Um, eventually, they do discover that it is the body. They find out from a pinky um, fingerprint um, that it was a man who was twenty years old named Jason Greenwood. Um, Jason actually was very well known to the investigating officers. He was actually um, a family friend. So, you know... Family friend of who? A family friend to, to the, all the police well, here. the they, they investigative were, team. Right, the investigative team. So, like, basically everyone doing this case and working this case, there's three main people that um, are working this case. They all were friends with his parents, oh. so it was like a huge shock to them. Let now, now they're you know, they have to go and tell their good friends, yeah, that their son is dead, who whom they have known and watched grow up. One of, one of the um investigative uh men or whatever actually is their neighbor, so he's like, watch this kid grow up. Oh, wow, so you know, they're just in shock, so they decide. Uh, together that they're going to go and tell the tell the family. But before we get into telling the family, I just I completely forgot to bring this up at the time, but the reason they had his fingerprint on file, he had never like been arrested or anything. He was a pretty good kid. Um, but he had um been a part of like some child safe program at the county fair. So my guess is that do you remember those things like when you were in school they'd send like those pack. Actually, I've gotten one for the kids here. It's like a packet that's like, you know, the duff Duff Dog or McGruff Dog or whatever the hell the guy's the name is. The I dare think. thing. I'm guessing it's something like that. So like a you know, be proactive fingerprint your kids. Blah blah. blah. I'm guessing it's something along that line. So he wasn't a felon. No. So there you know, they didn't have his fingerprints on file from him doing anything wrong. It was something from when he was younger that he did. So my guess is like I said, this dare sort of program sort of thing, or perhaps. I don't know if this is a thing, but maybe he got lost at the fair and they had to, like, finger burn him while waiting for parents to try to figure out who he was, whatever. Maybe something like that. I guess I don't know what the Child Safe Program actually is, but my guess is it's one of those two things leaning more towards the dare thing. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. Um, being a part of something like that. So, anyway, they're going to go together to tell the family because they know this family very well. Um, so, shortly before 7 p.m., which is about 8-ish hours after discovering... Jason's body. Uh, they show up at Jason's parents' home because he didn't live at home at this time. They show up at his parents' home, which is his, which consists of his mom, his stepdad, and his sister. When the police get there, his sister is the only one home. His parents had left. I don't know if it was like a day trip, but they were go- they were going somewhere uh, like up north. But they had ju- they had just left not too long ago. Um, so you know they call the parents back and. You know, the parents aren't really thinking anything at this point. They're just like, what's up, guys? You know, because they know them well, and they're not really shocked that they're at their home. And then they get the news that their son, Jason, has been killed. And not just killed. He's not just dead. He's been brutally attacked. And burned. And burned. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, if they went into all the details with them or not right at that moment. Uh, I'm sure it was pretty pretty shocking uh, for them. And... In that episode of Murder in the Heartland, the mom is actually on there and she, apparently she had actually, like, called the Sheriff Department, or not the Sheriff Department, but, um, the one investigator, Mark Steele, the one that they're really close with, the kind of lead guy with this, and, you know, was trying to get the scoop earlier that day of, like, what's going on, like, you know, whatever, and then come to find out it's her, actually her own son. Oh, man. Which is, ugh, I just, I can't, I don't want to be in her shoes. Um, so the mom... Jessica, stepdad, Michael, and the sister all get this bad news. Um, apparently right away, Jessica, the mom, was not necessarily pointing fingers, but just at least wanted them to look at, wanted the police to look into this option. So, Jason's biological dad, his name was Wade, wasn't super involved in his life, and he was kind of an unstellar parent, um... So he probably wasn't around a whole lot. It sounded like he did a lot of drugs and kind of hung out with a bad crowd. Again, like Mark Steele, um, Luke Hendrickson, which is the other investigator, the one that lived next door, they all know him very well because not only are they friends with the mother and stepfather, but he's known to police in general because he's been picked up a lot for a lot of shady shit, you know. So right away, the mom's like, you know, you at least got to look into him, you know, for peace of mind, I guess, because she didn't like that Jason was hanging out.
1: So Jason was wait, wait, wait. hanging out with his biological dad? At times, yes. Okay.
0: It didn't again, it didn't sound like it was a, a lot, especially when he was younger. Now that he's an adult, it seems like he's Maybe making his own have, choice to like kind have of have
1: a few beers every now and then or something.
0: Something, just something. Um so they so they are going to go and look into that. Um the parents also call Jason Jay, so if I interchange that at some points, know that I'm talking about Jason. It's spelled J-A-Y-S-E-N, so that's why oh. they, they call him J. Um, so if I do interchange that, yeah, um, anyway, police need to notify Wade, um, Jason's biological father, anyway, you know, so, regardless, they need to notify him of Jason's death while also questioning him, too. So they show up, actually, at Wade's job, um, and inform him that, you know, his son is dead. Um... Wade doesn't really respond at all. He just kind of stares blankly and doesn't really say much. Um, I assume, again, that, you know, him not being a very present parent, you know, he probably doesn't really know how to feel. He hasn't been there probably for most of Jason's life and hasn't had much of a bond with him, which I'm sure now probably is something he regrets at this point. But he didn't really react much at all.
1: Where did this guy work? Where where was his job? I
0: don't know where he worked. It didn't say um nothing that I read really said where he worked at. It kinda seemed more like I don't know if it was like a factory job or like a, like a lumber yard sort of thing. It seemed like a laboring job but like at a facility. Oh okay. yeah. So I, I'm not sure exactly. But I mean a lot of these small towns it would be safe to assume that it'd be some sort of factory work because that's what a lot of rural places have. It's yeah, either or farm work or factory Laboring work. in some way. Exactly. So he's informed. Um, he's questioned. He said his last interaction with Jason was actually three days prior. Um, now, mind you, this is still the same day that the body's discovered. Oh, okay. yeah. As of right now, I believe. So three days prior, he sees his son, Jason. They meet up at a nearby casino. Um, apparently, according to Wade... Jason was with a woman who he claimed was his girlfriend. However, no other family members have heard about her or could, like, substantiate that. Um, however, um, some friends of his did say that he did talk about a girl and a girlfriend. And he was very excited about her and whatever. But they had not met her. They But they had heard of her through Jason. Um, so, immediately, people, police are like, okay, well, we got to find this girlfriend, like... Who knows, you know, did you know? was she married? Did she have a boyfriend? Was there some, who knows what's in her past? So they hunt down this woman. They find out her name is Katie. Um, they don't disclose the last name. Uh, so on that day, Katie is questioned. She's pretty cooperative. She hands over her phone with no qualms. And there does show text messages between um, Jason and her about, him. so he's messaging her saying that he's concerned that her ex-boyfriend is following him.
1: So Jason is texting this girl, Katie, yep, this information. who is
0: supposedly his girlfriend. So
1: this is turns out to be not just bullshit coming from the father. It's actually this lady. Katie exists. Yeah, Katie and... exists.
0: Katie is real. Okay. So it must be a newer relationship because, you know, his his mother and sister and stepfather hadn't known yet. Okay. And his friends had not met her yet. So that tells me that she's probably a pretty new relationship. Okay. Or, I don't know, I guess maybe she like lives far enough away where it's not convenient for her to be around all the time. But, so yeah, so apparently the dad's like the first one to like physically see this woman. Okay. Um, but yep, she's real. Um, text messages show that Jason is messaging her expressing concern about her ex-boyfriend. His name is Joe and they immediately bring him in for questioning. Um, they ask him if they... Know about Jason, and he's like, no, not really. You know, not not really. I don't know much. He's pretty calm, doesn't really give off too many vibes. But he becomes quickly um, unwilling to cooperate. So, you know, they ask for his phone. Can we just see your phone? And he's like, why? I there's no reason for me to give you my phone. And they're like, well, yeah, there is. You know, like we need to see that because. Of this message, you know, he felt concerned you were following him, and he's like, "I didn't follow him. I don't know what he's talking about. Are you sure you have the right person? Mm-hmm. All that stuff." So, um, he was labeled a person of interest. Now, a person of interest is not a suspect. Person of interest just means like
1: they can't—they're they questioning the alibi, or they can't really—not um...
0: not even necessarily that. Just a person that they're looking into, um, but they don't really have anything to really like link them to the crime or anything and they just kind of want to know about them, them out but either. they can't rule them out and they do have like some like possible motive maybe towards this but not labeled a suspect yet a suspect can be like heavily looked into there's a lot of links like a lot of
1: there's some legit evidence of some right there's like
0: a lot of things that are like suspicious and like linking people to it and once you're a suspect usually that can lead to an arrest. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you will be arrested, but it can quickly go from suspect to arrested very quickly. Um, So he's labeled a person of interest, though not a suspect. Um, Joe asks for a lawyer. He doesn't want to give up his phone. Um, Eventually, he does give it up because, I mean, they threaten a warrant to get it. However, they don't want him to leave the police station with the phone and then go and destroy evidence now that they, now that he knows, now that Joe knows that the police want to look at it. Mm-hmm. So because of that reason, they technically don't need a warrant. So they can take the phone. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but there's something they can do in an emergency situation if they think evidence will be destroyed. And at this time, that's what they think. Cause right now he's like kind of, he's got a good motive for possibly wanting to hurt Jason. So they take his phone anyway. Um,
1: yeah, under the Fourth Amendment, you have a right to your private property, but I don't know if there's a stipulation if you only know, if supposedly a only cause. yeah so
0: po- supposedly only in like an emergency situation where they think that evidence could be destroyed can they do that. So they seize the phone, which they don't find anything anyway. So uh. it really doesn't matter. it ends up being nothing. So they start kind of thinking back to like the location of the body, okay? The location of the body, where it's located to get to that area, to get to that, like, mountain iron area, they have to go down this, like, one specific road, which actually crosses in front of the high school in Hiving. So, they're like, well, let's go see if there's cameras. Let's see what, if we can see anyone, like, driving by that way. Because, obviously, from what they have gathered from the crime scene, someone had to have driven there, probably back backed ca- a car or a truck or whatever, a vehicle up to this area to roll it down. Because, like I said, you kind of have to go down this... Like, kind of hike back to this area to get to the ravine to that weird, like, pit area. Um, and, obviously, with a body in hand, you couldn't just carry that. You know, like, not not as far um, where they needed to go. You couldn't just carry that. So, they, they assume that somebody would have had to drive by. So, they get the video footage. And they actually see Jason's car passing it. Mm. But they know... That at this point on the video footage that Jason's already dead based on his time of death. Mm -hmm. They already know that. So who's driving Jason's car? Okay. Um, But they were able to identify that. Uh, Actually, the mom was talking about the car too. And she had said that, you know, Jason's 20 years old at this point. He had moved into his own apartment. And, um, you know, his mom had been driving him around a lot. And so they ended up helping him get this car. And actually she had texted him like either that day or the day before, you know, saying like, hey, we got your title here. Why don't you come over and we'll put it in your name, like whatever. But little did they know that he was actually already deceased. And actually the last text message that his mom did receive from him was saying roommate drama can't come over tonight. Hmm. Um. So she goes into that and then... So the police want to know now they want to start looking and questioning the roommates like where where has Jason been? What has he been doing? What's he been up to? What's the last time he's been home, etc. So now they have to hunt down Jason's roommates, which there's three of them, which consists of Jason's best friend, Sean Powers, his girlfriend, Juliana, who she's actually underage. She's actually, I think, 16 at the time. Um, and Sean, I believe, is 19 at the time, so I don't know if her parents didn't care, if she was a runaway. I don't really know a lot about her backstory. However, um people describe Juliana as kind of a troublemaker and just kind of like, you know, a little rebellious. She's 16. Of course she is. That's mm-hmm. whatever. And the third roommate is Dylan Gilbertson, who it sounds like these people, you know, obviously they're roommates, but it sounds like they hang out quite often and get you know, like I said, Sean Powers is his best friend. So, they kind of just all hang out. Dylan's described as more of a partier and kind of a fun-loving guy. Sean's more described as like quiet and nice, which is kind of similar to how Jason's been described. Quiet, calm, intelligent, you know, funny, just a kind person. So, as the police are going to the apartment building where Jason and the roommates live, they actually get a call from a deputy saying that they did a routine traffic stop. And this guy in the car is actually proclaiming to be Jason. He, he says that he is Jason Greenwood. Oh shit. So dun dun dun.
1: So obviously the, that's the killer and he's a retard and didn't get far enough out of the area.
0: Maybe. So obviously this dude immediately is brought in for mm-hmm. questioning. Um The man is actually def- identified as John. His last name was again undisclosed um, police started to ask him questions and they're like, why the hell are you using Jason's name? And so apparently this John guy is actually really good friends with Jason as well. And actually some of the other people like around town and some of his other, Jason's other friends had actually, um, like thought maybe this John guy was involved because he's kind of a, a wild card. He's kind of you know, he kind of looks rough and tough. He kind of acts rough and tough. He is known to police for doing other shady shit. And that's actually why John used Jason's name. is because he had warrants out for his arrest for other criminal activity. Oh, I see. So, you know, he's friends with Jason. Knows he knows him very Jason well. He doesn't have any warrants. So. Right. He knows Jason is a good guy. He knows he doesn't have any warrants. He just doesn't want to get arrested that day. So he uses Jason's name. He, at this moment, finds out that his friend is dead. He didn't even know. Oh, man. So he's kind of, not. I wouldn't say an emotional wreck, but he's pretty shocked at this moment. And you know, the police are trying to question him. You know, like, what did you do something to him? Like, whatever. And he's just asking questions like, what happened to him? Where is he? Why? Why? Who did this? You know. So he's kind of falling apart. And quick, and police quickly realize that it's he's, he's not, not. He's not. The, he's not the guy. Um. So John ends up actually being really cooperative in helping the police by like identifying like Jason's social circle where he usually hangs out, who he hangs out with, when he hangs out with him, why he hangs out with him. He's been pretty helpful to police at this point. And like I said, they, they, they don't really suspect him at this point. He's being cooperative. He was really shocked to find out about his friend's death. Um, and even he says like, Jason doesn't have enemies. He's a good guy. Like he's a kind, funny guy. Like this is the guy people want to be friends with. Um, so he starts listing off the roommates again. You know, he's got Dylan and Sean and Juliana that, you know, even John, he's like, we all kind of hang out together. And he says that he knows that Dylan has actually been driving Jason's car on and off. He said that, you know, Dil- or that Jason typically would let Dylan just take his car or whatever. Um, but I guess right around the time of the murder, um, John hasn't seen Jason at this point, but sees Dylan with Jason's car. And apparently Dylan tells John that I don't want my car anymore. You can have it here. And throws him the keys. Mm-hmm. Okay, sir. Uh, I have huge disputes about that since it's a brand new car. It's not even in his name yet. And he's just going to throw it over to you? I think not.
1: Dylan say, says that to John.
0: Yes, this is John's account of what happened. The last last like situation he knew, even though it didn't technically involve Jason, but what he, what he's saying happened around the time of Jason's death. Now that he knows that Jason, but that dead. was actually
1: Jason's car.
0: Yes, Jason has a car. It sounds like Dylan does not have a car. It sounds like really nobody does. It sounds like Dylan, now that he has a car, has been the one driving everybody around or letting others borrow his car. Um, but yeah, so. I don't know, that seems really unlikely to me, I guess. However, John says that Jason did typically let Dylan drive his car, so it wasn't, like, super weird. And John didn't really think anything of it either, because he's like, okay, maybe, maybe Jason really did do that, because he always lets Dylan drive the car, like, whatever. Um... A good friend to all of these people. Her name is Kaylee. She also is in the episodes that I watched on Murder in the Heartland. So they all went to school together. She's like, you know, she wasn't so close with John. But she's known him since, like, young grade school. Um, but said, so yeah, they all used to hang out. She said Dylan used to, like, you know, help her if her car broke down. Like, everybody was really friendly and nice to each other. Like, they just kind of clicked and got along really well. So nobody really had suspected anyone in their social circle to have done this, really. Except John, who was kind of a bad boy, and that's really the only reason. Like, John and Jason never had any issues or anything, just because he had run-ins with the law a lot. That was really the only reason people had suspected him. Um, So at this point, police are starting to wonder more and more about the roommates, because that seems slightly weird. First of all, they, they don't know where the roommates are. They can't find them. And now they've got a a statement saying that Dylan was driving Jason's car and that apparently Jason just threw him the keys and was like, "What? you know, here, take it. Which, to any young guy, getting a car is probably a really big deal. So that seems unlikely to me. But who knows? Weirder things have happened, I guess. So anyway, they're like, all right, we need to go back to this apartment. We need to find these people, whatever. So they get a search warrant um, for the apartment. Um, the way that they have to get to this apartment so there's there's like I, I can't tell if the bottom part of the apartments is apartments too or if it's just the up top part of like buildings below if that makes sense mm-hmm. but anyway they have to access it through the street access so they go in through this back door up this flight of stairs that turns it kind of does like a 90 degree angle turn like a narrow stairwell that does like a 90 degree angle turn they go upstairs and you know right off the bat when they get in there Nobody's there. They don't really see anything. They're like, okay, nothing looks really out, really out of place. They kind of walk into the kitchen area. It's kind of like a little hallway entry area and then a kitchen. You know, there's dishes in the sink. There's some trash and whatever. You know, a young person's apartment. Mm-hmm. Kids that are hanging out, eating garbage, and, you know, not really picking up after themselves and having a good time, basically. Yeah. Um, that is until they walk into the living room. So... As soon as they walk into the living room, the first thing they see is a recliner, and next to this recliner is a bunch of big, dark spots on the carpet. Oh, shit. Um, They said that it kind of had, like, a pinkish color to it, though the pictures to me don't look pinkish. They just look, like, dark stains. Um, The police quickly find out that it is indeed blood. Um, They do, you know, some sort of blood test right there, and it comes up instantly is blood so they take like a q-tip and wipe it down with whatever and find out it's it's blood um so the more now that they know that this is blood and it's quite a large area they start looking around and they're like okay maybe this isn't such a maybe this isn't such a normal scene you know maybe it's not as normal as they think so they start really looking at things and they notice that there is a pair of boots that looks like it has blood on them and also there's this like club type thing uh, that has blood on it. Club. It's, yeah, so it'll later get described as a two-by-four with a handle on it. So I'm not really sure what that is. Is there some sort of sport that has something like that? Like, a, like almost cricket? like a... I don't know. Cricket cricket it do looks that? like a
1: two-by-four with a handle on it?
0: Yeah. So it looks, it looks like something like that. Just like a short, stubby two-by-four with a handle on it is what it looks like.
1: <laughs> Sounds intense.
0: Right. So... They start looking around more, and they realize that right above this chair and this blood spot, so they have ceiling tiles like we do, like that drop ceiling with the, you know, the foam, drop ceiling yep, pads or that's whatever. The it. Drop they notice that the one right above is missing, oh. right above the, the blood area. So right away, this whole area is looking pretty fucking suspicious. Looks
1: like a murder spot.
0: Right. It looks. All of it looks quite bad. So now they're like, well, shit. We have to find. Uh, roommates. we have to find the roommates. We got to talk to them because somebody here knows something. Either they all do or some, one of them does at least. Yeah. Um, so the next day, May 21st, or no, this would be two days later. Yeah. Two days later. Uh, all three roommates are labeled suspects. So they immediately after the crime scene, even not having been spoken to yet are labeled suspects. Um, the first person they get a hold of is Dylan Gilbertson, who is at his parents' home in Mountain Iron. So, yeah, Mountain Iron must be, like, a little, like, like, tiny off-city of Hibbing or something, you know? Like, Ellsworth is a town, but we're just this tiny little minute city. I'm guessing that's kind of what Mountain Iron is, too. So, the police go to the parents' home to question him. They ask about the bloodstain. Dylan's really calm and, like, nonchalant, like, you know... He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you whatever, and uh, doesn't really put up much of a fuss. However, his claim is pretty fucking ridiculous. And I'm going to show you some pictures here in a second as to why it's so, so ridiculous.
1: You're going to show um, me some pictures?
0: I'm going to show you some pictures so you can tell me things here. <laughs> and you can explain what you're seeing in a minute. The people so, listening
1: will not be able to see these pictures unless they, they go they to will, Instagram. They so will if
0: they go to the Instagram page, but I'm going to have you describe... Um, Two pictures for me. Okay. In a minute. So, this is what Dylan says happened. Dylan says that he and Jason... So, there's no witnesses to this. He says he and Jason are in the car. And Jason's, like, fucking around with a flare gun. Okay? And he, for whatever reason, wants to shoot off this flare gun in his car through the sunroof. He's like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm being dumb. Whatever. Somehow, magically... uh. Jason shoots his own hand with the flare gun and is starting to bleed profusely, okay? (laughs) I want you to first look at the crime scene, um, that has not been luminaled yet. So this is just the basic crime scene that they walk into and notice the dark stains and stuff. So I want you to look at that first.
1: Okay, I'm looking at the, uh, photo right now of the chair, um, with the stains next to it. Um... Yeah, to me it looks like fairly large stains, right? Yeah, they're pretty big stains, and it looks like there's one prominent stain, but then there's also some other stains that are in front of the chair that look like they could have been tried to be cleaned up, but they didn't really do that good of a job. And yeah, it looks like uh, something bad happened, and half of the chair is missing. Like there's unless Mm -hmm. that's just what the chair looks like, but
0: yep. So the back of the chair is is like missing. Okay. Now, I'm going to show you another picture, and you're going to see why this is so ridiculous. So, Jason claims that after he shot his hand, uh, or Dylan claims that after Jason shot his hand, that they run back up to the apartment, and he's just bleeding everywhere, okay? Okay. And they're trying to fix this wound. Now, what happens if you have a hand wound? It drips, right? It's, it's, It's not spraying blood at this point. It's going to be dripping blood. Yeah, it'll be, or, or be like will drip,
1: drip, marks all the I way. want you
0: to look at this picture and tell me what you see. Now this is the luminoled room of that spot.
1: Oh man. So now I'm looking at the same exact photo I just looked at, but now it's just luminol version and there are blood, big, huge blood stains in front of the chair. And then there's blood spatter all over the wall back behind to the right of the chair and yeah just the whole room is spattered with blood everywhere i mean there's this blood splatter
0: on the walls on the, on walls, the ground, on, on the chair ceiling
1: there's another spot over by the other chair too that's mm-hmm. it looks like some sort of scene must have happened by that chair that led to blood splatter being Everywhere. And
0: not just blood splatter. It, lit, it lights up like a fucking Christmas tree. Like, I don't know if you know what luminol is. It's a spray that they use to, um, it reacts to a protein in blood that makes it glow. So they obviously sprayed down this room with luminol and there is blood evidence everywhere. So unless Jason's inside... Somehow just shaking his fucking hand...
1: No, there's no way. All
0: over the... I don't even... I don't think so either. But to make his story fit, that's the only thing I could possibly come to connect the dots the between only his thing story. The
1: that would fit with that story is if he cut his hand off...
0: And it's spraying and just, or something, just yeah. just used
1: his hand to spray all over the room. That's, that's the only way that that would make sense.
0: Right. So... Okay, Dylan. Okay. So, right there, they already have enough to arrest Dylan. Um, they've taken evidence you know, obviously like they had the boots, they had the club, they have the whole room. Um so now they're looking for the other roommates because they need to know were they involved? If they were, what was their involvement? Um so now I need to find them. Um they are found relatively quickly afterwards. Uh so Juliana and Sean, like I said before, they're dating. Um and they're found, they're brought in for questioning, but they're questioned in separate rooms so, you know, they can't compare stories or anything like that. They want to know who was there, who wasn't, who helped, who didn't, if anything. Um, so right off the bat, Juliana is like, oh, I have a bad memory. I don't know what happened. Like, <laughs> oh my god. She's really resistant. So her mom's in the room, because she's underage. Remember, she's 16, so she's so got they actually
1: mom. got the mom in yeah, the room. Her, her
0: mom is present at this time. Okay, that's When good. she's being questioned. Um... They don't really get into a lot of questioning before she says, am I a sucks spot? And they're like, yeah, you are. And she's like, oh my god, I want a lawyer. I Like, that's it. I, I want a lawyer. I'm out of here. So she up, like, shoves her shit away from the table, gets up without her fucking mom, and tries to leave the room. So she right there is trying to shut shit down, you know? Uh, but... She's a suspect, and they already know they have enough to, to arrest her. They just wanted to get her story.
1: Is there any reason to believe she had that accent? That no, just I just believe- do that because
0: I think she's a fucking cunt, and I'm just mocking her because I can. Sorry. Uh, so police went and got her and placed her under arrest right there. Uh, they bring her back into the room where her mom is sitting, and right away she looks at her mom and says, I know what Dylan was doing out there. So obviously she was home yeah you know, at this time she then decides she's gonna cooperate. She gives a full statement and this is her account, which already debunks Dylan's flare gun debacle s- debacle the the magic spring blood
1: flare the gun bullshit, wound sorry.
0: whatever this gets debunked uh she this is what she says Juliana says that her and Dylan uh show up that night. So, May... I'm guessing May 9... No, so May 19th is when the body is discovered. So, probably the night before, like, May 18th. Dylan and Juliana show back up to the apartment. Um, they had taken Jason's car and went somewhere. Like, where the... First of all, where the fuck did they go? Why are they alone? She's dating Sean. Why is she alone with this Dylan fuck? And where the fuck did they go? I want to know that. Um, I don't Uh know where they went. I don't know what they were doing. But that's already, like, (laughs) shady character business right there. Okay? Yeah. So, her and Dylan show back up to the apartment... She says Jason was asleep in that recliner, in that chair, okay? She puts a blanket on him and tucks him in. Ah, oh, aren't you so sweet? Oh, so sweet. You're just gonna do something so sweet for him? Mm-hmm. She goes into the bedroom with her boyfriend, Sean. So they have their own room. She goes in there. Um, she says when she comes back out, and it... She doesn't even say, like, why she comes back out, but she comes back out. And I would assume, because the room itself looks like it's, like, right off the living room, so... I would assume if anything happened, they would be able to hear it pretty fucking easily. Yeah. But she doesn't say that. She just says that she happens to come back out of the room. And when she comes back out of the room, Dylan is, like, on the ground choking Jason with something. She doesn't say what. She just says something. She's choking him with something. Um, when... So, right then, police ask her, like, why do you think Dylan would do this? And her response was, he's crazy. He's fucking crazy. crazy um it's just something he would do. Uh he uh, he he likes to choke people. Right, like he's just crazy, he gets set off easily, whatever. Um and I guess she also said that Dylan had often joked around about killing Jason because he wanted his car. Which <laughs> seems a little We'll weird. go into that a little bit more later. However, Jason's car is just a silver Pontiac. So it's not like it's like this extreme extravagant fucking car you it's know not a it's porsche not a, or anything. it's not a porsche not a lamborghini, lamborghini it's it. it's a fucking car and my guess i don't know for sure but my guess is it's probably used if his parents help pitch in to get it like yeah it's not going to be this extravagant fucking vehicle maybe it is but i don't know my mom has had multiple pontiacs and while they're decent vehicles I don't think I'd go to the level of killing someone over it. But <laughs> then again, I'm also not a psychotic, you know, guy yeah. with anger issues and a hair at my ass or whatever. Yeah. So, that's what she says. Um, Then, Dylan gets this bat-like object, which we obviously already know. We already know as this club thing, this two-by-four with a handle on it. Mm-hmm. Dylan looks to Juliana and says, hit him. And she says no. So, immediately after that, Dylan hits Jason in the face, spraying blood everywhere.
1: So, Dylan sees that she's out there and then says... Gets this fucking gets club, club thing. And tells the girl to hit, hit yeah. Jason.
0: Right. So, he's like egging her on, like, fucking hit him. You know, whatever. And she's like, nah. You know, whatever. Okay. Um, so, Dylan himself hits Jason in the face with this Club like thing. Now you saw the crime scene. Like there's blood everywhere. So I'm guessing this was not just a hit in the face once and kind of done sort of thing. No, like, it this is like, like a beating.
1: From the blood splatter? Or is it blood splatter or blood spatter? Spatter. So from the blood spatter, it looked like he was getting hit in the face and then. You it know, back the, back all the multiple times. The spatter was all over the wall, so it looked like just a constant barrage. And, of, in, um... and
0: in different areas, too. So it looked like he, you know, to me, it looks like Jason not only multiple times hit him in the face with his club because there are huge spots on the ground plus spatter everywhere and in different locations. So to me, that tells me that Jason's probably on the ground either kneeling or sitting or something getting hit in the face multiple times while blood is pouring down. Yeah. Whilst also as Dylan brings back this club, spraying it everywhere multiple times and probably moving around Dylan to hit him as well. So not just standing in the same spot, but it looks because of where all the blood spreader is, it seems to me like he had to be moving as he's taking swings kind of. So moving about Jason, hitting him, if that makes sense. Um. At this point, Juliana says that she runs to the bathroom because she's scared. Right after that, police are already suspicious of her story um, because they obviously have seen the crime scene as well and know that one hit is not not probably what happened here. And two, they start to question her, how did Dylan alone get Jason's body out of that apartment?
1: What about that other guy that's in the room with, with the girl? We'll, we'll get to that. Okay.
0: We will get to that. Uh, so... Police are already suspect, you know, suspicious of her story because she's right there pinning all the blame on Jason, like she had, or on Dylan. Sorry, yes, on Dylan, and basically like, no, I didn't have nothing to do with it. And they're like, okay, well, how did he get Jason's body out of the apartment? Because remember, I told you that the stairwell is very narrow, steep, and it takes a ninety-degree turn. You know. Yeah. So, J, uh, excuse me, Dylan isn't going to be able to carry this badly beaten bloody body out of the apartment himself all de- literal dead weight without there being blood or drag marks or something yeah there are no drag marks there's nothing and so juliana i mean he's like i would assume that he had to drag him out so already they know that her story is bullshit and actually to this day they have never gotten the true story though they know involvement um Happened on their end. Um. Now Sean's being questioned in the other room. Um.
1: Which is the boyfriend of.
0: Which is not only the boyfriend of Juliana. Underage, 16 year old, little rebellious Juliana. Who mm-hmm. talks like this. hmm I don't know if she talks like that. But that's. Because I think she's a bitch and a cunt. That's how I'm portraying her. And he's also Jason's best friend. Okay. Like. It. Be like Cassie, Amber, Ellie, or Amanda to me. Like, mm-hmm. best friend. So his parents know him, have known him, whatever. This is what he says. He says that earlier in the day, that's why he wasn't with um, Dylan and Juliana earlier. He said that he had a panic attack and just went to bed and slept through the whole thing. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
1: What's up with all these people with their panic attacks? I mean, come on. You can't just blame everything on a panic attack. (laughs)
0: Right. But you can't tell me that through this beating, there was no yelling, no shouting, no screaming, no help, no nothing from Jason or Dylan screaming at Jason. Yeah. You know, and like I said, there's like a room like off of the living room where their bedroom was. You can't, none of it makes sense. None of it adds up.
1: Unless they were all wasted. You know, because if you're really wasted and you had already blacked out, you know, I could see... I mean,
0: I guess, I but... Mean, so, that is one thing. So, according to Grand Forks Herald, um, this is kind of like an online newspaper, Dylan does say that meth contributed to oh, this situation. okay. However, I have not found out from anywhere else that, you know, I don't know if there was like a toxicology thing done on him, if he was tested for drugs or anything. I haven't heard that. But, anyway, he, Sean... Says that he had a panic attack, slept through the whole thing. I don't fucking believe that. Sean's arrested. Rightfully so. Um, There was another um kind of story brought out in this that Dylan did something with, like, forging titles for cars. And they did find, like, a lot of random titles for cars in the apartment. Not in his name or whatever mm-hmm. so they think that maybe he really did want jason's car but maybe not for himself but to like sell illegally or something for money
1: There's like a chop shop situation something going on.
0: something was happening they 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 don't even now know what exactly but that was a rumor and with the evidence of finding the other titles in the apartment they are thinking that that might be the motive. And most likely it is. However dumb and stupid and petty that is, whatever.
1: Although when you're all spun out on meth, all this seems like a great... Like, all this whole thing seems like a perfectly plausible plan. Right. <laughs> People that are all fucked up on meth, they have no clue what the hell is going on, and they're in a completely different reality. You know, yeah. so all this can make sense to them in that state.
0: Right. I mean supposedly, yes. But as far as I know, Sean and Juliana weren't on drugs. Or or maybe that's what happened. Maybe Dylan and Juliana went to go do drugs and Sean didn't. Because it didn't sound like Sean had taken part in any of this. Didn't sound like Jason really did drugs or anything. I would assume his best friend wouldn't. But who knows, you know, if his girlfriend did or maybe, who knows. Like I said, it was shady that Juliana and Dylan were alone together in the first place. Like, just the age and the time and just all of this combined seems... Strange for them to be hanging out alone. anyway. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, it's later revealed that Sean did help move the body. I don't know if it was ever f- for sure brought out that Juliana helped, but they already know that she lied. They already know somehow she was involved and, and lied about her story. So all three are arrested. Uh, so let's see here. November 21st, 2016, Sean gets 41 months in prison for aiding an offender after the fact. Ju- 41 months? 41 months. So I don't know what that equals out to. Almost four oh, years. Yeah, close, something like that. Uh, Juliana, she was underage, which is I'm assuming why they've never disclosed her last name. She gets probation until her 21st birthday. Um,
1: Pretty fucking lucky there.
0: Right. So actually, wouldn't that be this year? Would that uh, be this year? 16, so it's 16, 17, 18, 19. 20. So this last year. So yeah. Yeah. So... Right around now, end of 2020 into 2021, she'll be off probation now for this already. Which I... She's
1: gonna have to move to a different place, man. Right.
0: Like, fuck you. But whatever. Anyway, Dylan, um, so in the Cinemaholic online thing, online, uh, article that I read says that Dylan, in December of 2016, got 35 years in prison He will be eligible for restricted release after 23 years, which is September 2039. Shit. Um, So at least I guess he got a long sentence, which I, I guess is some sort of justice for the family.
1: What was he charged with?
0: First degree. First degree murder? Yep. I don't believe, I think they were trying to go for first degree premeditated murder, but I think they decided not to do that for some reason. I don't know. Maybe because they could lose the case if they tried to push for premeditated. Yeah. Though to me it does sound like there was possibly some, especially with the finding of the titles and people hearing him joke about killing him and joking about killing him for his car, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I do think there was um, premeditation involved. However, I think on the safe side for the district attorney and stuff, I think it was safer for them to just try to push yeah. this, push this without that.
1: Yeah. First degree murder, even, you know, it carries a long enough sen- sentence anyway, that right. it wouldn't be that much different. Right. With premeditation.
0: Exactly. So I guess there's some justice involved. I don't think that, I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's enough for the other two that were involved because that was his fucking best friend, man. Like, Probably like a long time, from the sounds of it, like a long time best friend and the betrayal to not only the family, but to his friend, not even trying to help step in. But then after the fact, helping this fucking monster dispose of your best friend's body. Like, don't get me wrong. I know that there's some sort of like fear stuff involved there if he wasn't actually involved with the initial stuff. But still, like, there's no fucking way that I quote unquote slept through this. If it were me, like, I don't know, I I know that I, I react well under pressure, and I know my instinctual reaction would be to attack this motherfucker. You know, if I saw my best friend yeah, getting bludgeoned to death, like, or choked, or whatever, whoever walked in first, I just, I don't know. I think that Dylan's sentence is sort of, I guess, justified enough, sort of, kind of, I guess, but the other two, I think, should have gotten longer. I don't care. She was 16. She's old enough to know right from wrong. Stupid.
1: Um, did it come out in the case? Because didn't you say that he was found with a knife in his chest and burned?
0: Yeah, that's why they know that nobody has told the full truth. Remember I said that...
1: So they didn't come out in trial how he got burned or how the knife... In they know
0: that he had, been, had gasoline poured on him. Again, to me, that sounds like premeditated murder. It wasn't just like a, I'm pissed at you, I killed you, because at that point... After the killing, someone has to find gasoline. They live in an apartment. They're not gonna just have cans of gasoline sitting around. You know what I mean? Like they're just not. Yeah. So somebody had to get a gas can, get gasoline from somewhere. At that point, in my brain, that's some level of premeditation, knowing right from wrong, etc. You had time to call prior. To
1: I know that.
0: Year. But like I said, already we have the stuff before the case that to me proves premeditation. But I still think There's some premeditation involved. As far as like Sean and Juliana go. They had to help move the body. They had to help get this gasoline. To me, that's premeditation for their involvement. Not just Dylan's. But it's still telling me that they knew right from wrong. They had time to calm down after this murder. Because they had to find all this stuff. You know? And then they had the audacity to take Jason's fucking car. And transport his body in it. You know? And like I said, the full story has never come out yet. They just know everybody's lying because there's obviously other evidence supporting this, like the knife, like the gas.
1: Could they prove that it was Dylan that did it based on the little uh, cricket bat or the two by four? Did, Did they say that that's why they picked Dylan as the for sure number one suspect?
0: So eventually Dylan does kind of shed some light on the situation and, you know talks about talks about a little bit however there obviously are two witnesses claiming him doing it and he's the one who was seen and driving jason's car and lying about jason giving him his car etc um
1: but that's all circumstantial evidence that they don't have his fingerprints on the
0: you know i'm sure they do I'm sure they do. I guess I didn't read that in any of my things.
1: I mean, they have to have. To they, they, yeah. five years.
0: Right. I'm guessing they have some sort of other physical evidence supporting that. Um, most likely, yeah. Oh, it was, I think one of the things was was the boots. They belong to Dylan. Oh. So, um, there's that. So, obviously, pro, close proximity needs to happen for there to be blood spatter on there. So, that was one of the things as well. Um, but, yeah. So, like... As far as those three go, the truth has never been fully told, and the true motive, coming from their mouths, has not ever been told either. You know, it's, the motive is speculation about the car and the title and whatever. Um, Some people said that, you know, Dylan just didn't like Jason, which from all accounts doesn't really sound like that was true, just because they did all hang out together all the time. And whatever, maybe he secretly didn't like him for some reason. But to me, it sounds like this guy was shady, possibly doing drugs. And to make money, he was doing stuff with titles and cars and whatever. He was doing forgery shit, fraud shit, whatever.
1: To me, this real story could just be that they're high on meth or drunk out of their minds. And who knows what happens, especially when you're 20 years old, getting all high and drunk. I mean, I've been in so many crazy situations. Uh, luckily, none like that. But I could see how you're all of a sudden you're high as hell, and next thing you know,
0: get into an argument. or something. And... it
1: all turns south, and then all, you know, most likely all three of them were involved re- in reality. See, and... I
0: personally don't think so. My thought on it is that Sean probably was home sleeping at that time. Jason was probably at home sleeping at that time. Juliana and Dylan went out probably to either find drugs, get drugs, do drugs, whatever, in Jason's car. They come back. My guess is that Dylan, either by accident or on purpose, wakes Jason up and is probably, like, being dumb and high and is like, Hey, man, I want your fucking car. And he's like, okay, we're not going over this again. Like, I already told you. No, you can't have my car. And then he gets pissed and is like, well, fuck you, blah, blah, blah." whatever. That's my guess. But... I think that Sean and Juliana were probably slightly more involved. Like I said, I guess Sean did kind of come clean later and say, yes, I did help move his body and whatever. Um, So maybe Sean wasn't more involved, but I do think Juliana knows more. I do think that she possibly was involved. Um, You know, maybe instead when she quote-unquote walked out, which I don't think she probably ever really went into the room at all because then you'd assume that she would have woken Sean up when she went in there
1: and yeah. even wake awake
0: for it. So to me, I don't think she ever went into that room. I think she's the reason he had a, a knife in his chest, personally. This is just my personal opinion because, so Dylan's there, you know, hitting him or going to hit him, and he yells to her, hit him, and she quote-unquote says no. I think at that point, if she's in a high stupor too, she gets a knife and stabs him instead. While Jason is beating him Because if there was only partial Blade found in his chest When you're hitting someone It would be easy to Either knock it in further Bust that knife Because there only partial Yeah You know was found Or whatever So to me that That's that's my theory on it Obviously no one will ever know Because we were not there We did not kill him But That is my theory
1: Pretty intense man
0: It was intense.
1: Especially intense for that area because... Right, because
0: it would be like it happening here.
1: Yeah, that type of stuff never happens. Right, it'd be
0: like going down to the quarry down there and, you know, up sea up there and finding, you know, a body... Yeah, you know, and it happens to be someone we know very well or whatever. Like, because everybody around here knows everybody, just like that. I mean, we're the same way. We're the same nosy. Like, oh, what do you know? Yeah, oh, those are sirens. Oh, what's happening? Yeah, someone getting arrested again.
1: Yeah, and everyone would know who that all these people are. And you know, right.
0: And even if we didn't know them personally, I guarantee you, the neighbor on either side of us is going to know them, and then we'll know the full story within ten minutes of whatever happening. You know, yeah. That's just how Especially it is. Especially something like that. Right. So, but. Yeah, definitely a horrible, sad, awful case. I feel so bad for the family. Um, but like I said, at least there was some justice. I don't ever, personally. I don't ever think there's justice when it comes to this type of stuff. I never think that it's never never it's never enough because it'll never bring them back and it'll never take away the pain and hurt and the trauma the family has to now go through because they know what happened. Um. But yeah, so and and just like in here too, like anytime anything happens, good or bad, all these rumors float around. So I can't even imagine what it was like for the family before they even knew kind of what happened. I, I guarantee you there was rumors flying all over the place about about Jason and, yeah, and what happened. Yeah, everybody trying
1: to solve the crime. Right, and they're
0: like, oh well, you know, I bet you I don't know, but I'm just guessing that most likely there was rumors like, oh, I bet. Jason was doing drugs or Jason was doing this and getting into this when really none of that was true and it was all this Dylan character and it just so happened that Jason lived with a psycho you know and whatever wrong place wrong time wrong situation kind of thing because by all accounts Dylan was a good guy a good friend intelligent smart nice guy
1: Yeah, 20 years old is too young to go that's for sure
0: Exactly, and it's awful, and I feel terrible for the family, and I definitely think that Dylan's exactly where he fucking belongs. I think it should be for the rest of his life, or someone in prison should just off him anyway, because that's what people who murder people get and deserve, but whatever. And I do think that the other two deserve more time in prison, and whatever.
1: But, you know, I don't. no one ever escapes justice that's true i mean in the end
0: god's gonna sort y'all out it ain't our duty i guess but like i said i just never think in the earthly world there's never enough justice for something like that ever doesn't matter how long it is even even a death sentence you know for these people would never be enough ever so but that's our case for the week um Next week, I'm actually going to do one that's very local to us in my hometown of Ellsworth, Wisconsin. Oh. So, tune in next week for that, if you so choose. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, uh, another episode of Crime Time Tuesday. Uh, you can find our information on doublethoughtdimension.com. You can email us at dtdimension@protonmail.com. at protonmail.com. You can find all the pictures at, on Crime Time Tuesday on Instagram and there's uh, also a
0: link for that on our website so if you want to find it the easy way just go to our website and click the link otherwise you can search it by crime underscore tuesday time underscore tuesday yes
1: on instagram on instagram and you can find our podcast on spotify on apple podcasts or type it in to whatever type of thing you listen to and it should pop up but that just about does it for today and i'm glad you tuned
0: in all right peace out crime time tuesday <laughs>